So I was poking around. I went down a Twitter rabbit hole before we got on tonight. And I checked out Tony Todd, you know, he of Candyman and several other important roles, such as the voice of Venom in the 1994 Spider-Man cartoon. Mm -hmm. And the voice of Venom in the upcoming Spider-Man 2 video game, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, so I, I went to his Twitter page, and it's one of those pictures where, you know, how it kind of looks like someone's missing a limb. And so people start to ask questions like, did he lose an arm or right. something like that? Right. But no, it's just out of frame. And it looks kind of like maybe there is something missing. So he's holding a clock very ominously. Like Tony Todd plays up to the fact that he is a creepy dude. And I kind of like that about <laughs> him, you know? So I do too. I, oh, sorry. I'm going through his pictures and the guy lives quite a life. Like, you know, he's within the span of, I'd say the last week, I saw him going to fancy restaurants, eating foie gras. Um, he's at a, a pinball arcade and he's playing like all these different pinball games. Apparently he's a big pinball fan. He's a, a, hmm. a big uh, marijuana aficionado as well. And he dresses to the nines wherever he goes. He always looks like a gentleman. So... I think it's safe to say right. he's a good follow. You should follow Tony Todd on Twitter if you're if you're on there or Instagram, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. I need to backtrack a little bit to okay. the new Amazing Spider-Man game. Yes. Is that going to be on the PS4 as well? I don't know. I think this might be past the uh, the cutoff for the legacy system at this point. You might might not get that one on PS4. Let's take a look. I'm curious now too. Spider-Man 2. Deep I mean, it's been developed for development for quite some time. Is so, this going to be the thing that makes forces me? <laughs> I can't buy a you. PS5, man. I can't do it. It says here it is a PS5 exclusive. So fucking you do have an, fuck. another option, which also involves waiting, which is wait for the PC release, because they've been doing that for all their games lately, too, where they get a PC release after after some time. So... Oh, I'm not wait. buying a PC either. You but know, you could get a Steam Deck. Hmm. No. These are all that's, expensive options. I was going to say that, like, that's just as much, if not more, <laughs> than the PS5, right? <laughs> and what it's, sucks is that, like, mm -hmm. if I get a PS5, yeah, my best option would be because I've decided I don't care about physical media for games anymore, okay. like video wow. games. I kind of made my choice. Look at that. Um, okay. Of, of what media I will care about for physical, just for space reasons and everything. I don't care sure. about it for games, video games. Um, I care about it for movies and stuff like that uh, and, you know, music. But video games, I'm like, I I'm fine with a digital copy of hmm. stuff. So, like, I would now opt for the digital PS5. But then how, like, I'm going to have to buy... The Last of Us again? I'm going to have to buy The Amazing Spider-Man again? I'm going to have to buy these games again? I don't think you'll have to buy them again. I mean, a lot of these games that you mentioned, they have the... Uh, they have the upgrade uh, from one version to the other, so you're, you're not buying it again, per se. You'd just be upgrading the version you have. And that's only if you want to play it but at time immediately. Also, take into consideration that when you buy a PS5, you're more than likely going to get, you know, the PlayStation Plus experience, which has all those games on there. 
Um, but like my discs wouldn't be useful at all anymore, would they? That's true. That's true. You got me there. You got me there. Yeah. So like yeah. that's really annoying. I don't like that. It is annoying. And those those AAA releases, because they're so highly printed, there's no way they're gonna retain their value like vinyl does. No, yeah. Even increase. There's no way because everybody who wanted a copy has a copy. Everybody who wanted to play that game played that game, you know? Right. And and that's another reason why I don't really care about like collecting video games anymore because there is stuff that had value and you know, I I think I talked about on the show, but I sold a lot of like GameCube and older games and they sold for a lot, but like, I just don't think moving forward that's going to be the same. I think the market has changed. You're right, because you have to hold on to those games for quite some time, you know, on the off chance right. that they do gain value. And something and most else of they them weren't doing. valuable. Like yeah. most of most of the GameCube games, for example, are not valuable. You have to have this one random edition of Resident Evil on the GameCube, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And who knows now if that's even going for as much as it did when you last looked, because they just uh, did a remaster of Resident Evil 4, mm-hmm. which is being well received. But not to move on There's to that a, quite yet. There was a GameStop, just real quick tangent. There was a GameStop mm-hmm. Resident Evil collection for the GameCube that yeah. I just happened to have and hadn't sold, hadn't done anything with it. And I got like 200 bucks for it. That's crazy. That's yeah. that's no. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I did. Yeah. Shoot. Look, I was just going to say, like, you know, I have a friend, Joe, who, um, no, we're not going to do that gag again. Uh, Our mutual (laughs) friend, Joe, (laughs) who, uh, you know, he he uh, he's worked several places. I don't know if he likes people knowing his job, just like me. It's kind of ambiguous, but he often comes across a lot of comic books and a lot of video games in his travels. And he saw the, the trend of grading video games now so just like you get those comic books that are in those those hard plastic covers and it's like oh this is a (laughs) 9.9 so this is worth five thousand dollars more than you know the 9.8 they're trying that with video games and you know it's all uh it came out recently in an article stating like this is all just smoke and mirrors. It's it's racketeering. This is people <laughs> laundering money. Don't yeah. trust this shit. No. If you have a video game that's precious to you, that should be enough. But Yeah, and these were literally like I was doing absolutely nothing with them. They were yeah. sitting on a shelf. So I decided to get rid of them. Um, I highly recommend if you're going to get rid of games that are older, yes. just look. Just pop on eBay and look. Because... I sold, yeah, I sold that one for a large amount of money, but I sold a lot of games for like 10 bucks, 15 bucks, whatever, but it adds up. Yeah. Well, I think the most valuable game I have is probably like a a GameCube disc as well, funny enough, but it was like a Zelda pre-order for Wind Waker. Oh, yeah. Um, Probably. And it was, uh, what was it, Ocarina of Time, like the remaster or something like that. And Mm -hmm. that was the only way to get it. The only way to get it yep. was uh, through pre-ordering um, Wind Waker, which a lot of people weren't doing because they didn't like the art style at the time. And yeah, right now, like on Amazon, somebody's selling it for a hundred bucks. That's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But everything else I have is pretty basic. I have like, <laughs> I'm looking at my GameCube games right now. It's difficult for me to get rid of physical media because like growing up with my little brother, that was a big part of our childhood was like trading games with each other. Like when I moved out, 
uh, you know, he was still living with our mom. Like we would trade games and everything like that, especially Nintendo stuff. Cause that's his system if, of choice. If I had and, like my PS, uh, not my PS one, um, my, uh, Nintendo 64 that like Chris and I shared, I wouldn't get rid of that. Yeah. So like, I totally understand that. I got so mad at him because we had like a, a shared PS one and he gave it away to one of our other cousins and i'm like come on man <laughs> i still wanted that, did that but to me you know Chris did that to me but with the n64 he <laughs> traded our n64 for a ps1 and i was like chris that was both of ours right. we shared that yeah and he was like no this one's better the graphics are better. this is better and i, and I was like oh, fuck you what the hell <laughs> i was so mad i was little too but i was so pissed he traded it to our cousin Oh, Which, like, I guess... yeah, we were really close to our cousin, and like, I could play games at his house, but it, it the, that wasn't the point, you know. <laughs> I guess I do have one game that's worth more than that: Metal Gear Solid: The Twin Snakes. They remade the first Metal Gear for GameCube. Yep. And uh, oh yeah, I, I sold that copy. Got that? Yeah, it's like a hundred bucks too. That's crazy. Yeah, I think I made like one fifty on that. Still, it helped me. Those video games helped me pay for my move. That's pretty like, great. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. I'm just going to sell everything in this room and just fill it with money. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> and by money, you mean records. That's probably stuff. it. Because yeah, that's the thing. Just... You just end up funneling it back into a different hobby. That's true. That is very true. I'm still sitting here with one of the three Batmobiles we gave away for our contest at 1.2. And it's the one that's worth the most money. Because <laughs> nobody chose it. <laughs> oh yeah mm. which one was it it was the batman the batmobile the um the og no no the batman the one with the light up brick for the uh oh, for oh the, the new batman sorry yes the <laughs> too many fucking bat batman <laughs> Too many um, batman <laughs> too many batman uh yeah that one looked pretty dope but I can yeah. understand not wanting that one of the choices because it was that it was the '60s Batman, and then what was the other one? Which one was it? It was the uh, the '89 Batmobile. The '89, like I feel like, is the most Batman Batmobile that I can, you know, personally. I agree. It's iconic. Bunch. You can't beat that Batmobile, no matter how yeah. hard they try. There's no top in that one. That one looked like it was just specifically made for batman nothing else it was it was comic book enough like mm -hmm. and and now it's always like look at this fucking camaro i've tricked out or you know a military <laughs> hey, vehicle or whatever Check it's out so my, boring uh... i want that i want batman <laughs> to be camp again like i know i talked about this before and i love the pattinson batman um, you know, from the start, I was very excited about that. But I also was like, why don't we give Batman a black or a, a blue suit and make him fucking fun? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the people that check out that Flash movie are going to get to have all the fun without us because I ain't watching that shit. But Affleck does dawn. Well, that one a... looks terrible, too, though. It doesn't even look fun. <laughs> I don't know. Affleck said he had a lot like, of fun. It also looks dark. It does. It's weird. It's a conundrum. But I tell you what, the next Pattinson movie allegedly features him fighting Clayface, which is going to be a oh, stark departure. Yeah. A stark departure from the past, like 
several Batman films where he's fought grounded people. Hell, if he fights a monster, Dude, the I'm there day one. Halloween. <laughs> Dude, long Halloween. Matt Reeves, are you listening to me? <laughs> Do it. I'm ready. If he, Hey, look, I'm saying if he fights a monster, that's, that's all I need. That's all yeah. I want. That's all I want. Yeah, I'm tired of the grounded all reality Batman. Let's yeah. let's have some fun with this. Let's do it. <laughs> some of the best Batman stories are when he's a fish out of water. So seeing him standing like shoulder to shoulder with the Justice League, you got gods and other creatures, aliens, right, just hanging out on a on a fucking space station, going to fight other gods on planets made of fire and volcanoes. That's the uh-huh. Batman I want to see sometimes too. Maybe not all the time, but sometimes. Yeah. I completely agree. There's a reason why Batman and Superman together is such an interesting dynamic. Speaking of uh, Batman, it's funny that Mm. people still get freaked out when they're reminded that Ben Affleck is fluent in Spanish. And so when he does press tours (laughs) and he he goes to these, uh, you know, Spanish speaking networks and they don't need a translator for him. It, it just blows people's minds. There's like a five minute interview of him talking about the new Michael Jordan movie air. And, you know, he, sometimes he's like grasping for words and trying to figure out what he really wants to say, but it's great because he flows right into it. And <laughs> it's also wonderful that he, he almost learned this language out of spite because <laughs> he doesn't want to be the only member of his household <laughs> that doesn't speak Spanish fluently. <laughs> So well, he, like, he learned this when he was young, right? He learned he it when he was, he was young, like, he but lived he, in, he's like, like kept it up, you know, he's, he's, he's kept oh, it up yeah, in practice yeah. just because he's like, look, you know, I'm going to be married to Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> I'm not going to be the one <laughs> <laughs> not speaking yeah. the language correctly in this I really house. Think that their marriage lasts. And I know that, <laughs> you know, considering both of their pasts, that's probably not likely. But Ben needs the stability. I worry about him. You know, I I hope they have it too. Because, you know, everybody's not a perfect person. But sometimes you're the perfect person for someone else. And you just work. And if it's not hurting anybody, then go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, he's amazing. um, Like, it is shocking to see how fluent he is and it doesn't yes. seem like bullshit i mean i'm not fluent in spanish so i guess i shouldn't talk <laughs> but i'm, I'm barely it fluent seems in English. like he's a pretty good conversationalist yes you know absolutely and he's just as charming in spanish you know as well and it's great too because he he pronounces he pronounces see see there i go he pronounces words correctly but then when he has to say a word in English, he goes right back to his regular voice, like without missing a beat. Mm-hmm. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, it's encouraging. It's encouraging for people like of all ages just to be like, it's not too late. It's not too late to learn a new language. You can get in there and, you know, grow your boundaries, expand your boundaries. So check it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I won't be doing that, but, you know. I will. I want to. I want to stay firmly in in my ways, <laughs> and be um, a shitty member of our society. Who well, does not grow at yes. all. No, that's not fine. Come on. 
It's, it's definitely not. No, it's not funny. <laughs> it's not. No. I mean, I'm doing I'm doing my Duolingo. I'm trying that. I'm I'm sticking to yeah. it, and I'm That's really awesome. giving it some effort because I figure, you know, if I got to learn something, it might as well be something useful. It might as well be something I can put into practice on a daily basis. So let's go. No, absolutely. Like, and you know, that's something you can do on your phone. That's actually feeding your brain. Good information. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not it's very a game much. <laughs> that's useful. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't keep it with the games because if I do that, I'm going to get distracted by Marvel snap because that is a motherfucking addiction. So yeah. <laughs> Marvel what? Marvel snap. It's like a card game. I don't know what that is. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Don't download it. Cause it's, it's great. <laughs> it's easy okay. to pick up. It's real easy to pick up and play. And uh, one of the discords I'm in, there's like a whole subcategory dedicated to people building decks and naming them silly things. And it is some of the most fun I've had on a mobile game and you don't have to pay money to succeed. So that's great too. I love that. That's all I, I won't pay money. I won't pay for a mobile game. To me, that's part of the game. Seeing how far I can get without paying them. Oh, yeah. I completely agree. I love doing that. If you look at it this way, like, they they already harass you with pop-up ads and, and different stuff. Anyway, this game doesn't do that. This mm-hmm. game is all about, like, all right, you don't pay to win, but if you want different designs for the cards and stuff like that, then you can give us some money and we'll, you know, give you in-game currency for that. So that's fine. But you can also earn it if you play long enough and get these achievements and blah, blah, blah. And they make them attainable. Like, it's a fair game, which is to say it's tempting to want to support them monetarily. <laughs> but I haven't done mm-hmm. so yet. Just with my eyeballs. It and sounds my, like my it sounds like you don't have to. So you shouldn't, you know? Exactly. Use those pennies elsewhere. Yeah. So I noticed you put a story okay, on here, let's... and I'm very intrigued, very intrigued by this, and I wanted to ask you about this, because yeah. I just saw the URL, and <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> I kind of like that when I said it, um, and I named this segment, That Ain't Just Rocks, Anne, because I yeah. think, I'm reading this correctly, yes, I am. Diddy says he pays Sting $5,000 per day for sampling every breath you take without his permission. Holy beans. That's a lot This of is correct. This was um, confirmed by Sting, who was, he was on a, doing an interview. Um, <clears throat> this is a 28 interview, 2018 interview with mm. The Breakfast Club, and I guess it's like resurfaced. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. It was in a 2018 interview, there was, it was saying like it's $2,000 per day, and... <laughs> um sting was like no it's five thousand dollars a day wow so and diddy confirmed this as well uh okay. he has to do that for the rest of his life for using the song without getting permission from sting well first off i think i'm equally surprised that sting was on the breakfast club willingly like that was an odd thing to see um yeah <laughs> the second thing is, and this is for all you producers out there, no matter what level of success you're at at the moment, make sure to clear those songs before you use them because golly, that's a lot of money 
<laughs> That's a lot of money for Diddy. Yeah. It says, um, the article says it's unclear how much Diddy has paid Sting over the years, but in a, 20, uh, a 2003, why can't I say years right? Everyone. <laughs> Anyway, but in a 2003 interview with Rolling Stone, uh, Sting said that he'd taken enough money from the rapper to put some of his six children through college. Wow. Yeah. And he <laughs> he said apparently they're like friends now, but he said those guys, um, meaning rappers, I guess, just take your shit and put it on a record and deal with the legality later. Yeah. And I've heard stories like this before. I mean, I feel like we all have, but taking a, a famous song, like every breath you take, and basically just yeah. the entire song, not, that that shouldn't even constitute a sample. That should be a, a, a remix or a cover, mm -hmm. you know, with uh, I'll Be Missing You. Right. Because it's the whole fucking song. And um, <laughs> apparently, um, yeah. apparently Elton John was the one who told Sting about it. Oh. And Elton John said told him about it he said you're gonna be a millionaire and sting was said i am a millionaire <laughs> and elton john said you're gonna be a millionaire twice over <laughs> wow all right so you said this was a 2003 interview so we're gonna use some loose math here and just say from 2003 until now mm -hmm. diddy has paid sting two thousand dollars no five thousand dollars five thousand that's what diddy confirmed on twitter Okay, so $5,000 every day for the past 20 years. That's I think Sting be... misspoke when he said 2000 because he uh -huh. just literally does not know how much fucking money he gets. It's either that or like after his people take their cut out, you know, his representation and everything. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe Diddy, um, Diddy confirmed today, literally, to or no, yesterday, that it's 5000 a day. So if we're taking all these numbers to be correct and loosely using the 20 years that Diddy has been paying Sting, that's $36,500,000. Yeah. Um, now, I wonder how much that song is worth. How could we calculate that? Because I don't even know where to start with that. But yeah, at the yeah. time, it was an incredibly popular song because it was dedicated to uh, Biggie, you know, and it stayed on the top of the charts. Mm-hmm. Diddy is apparently worth one billion dollars. Wow! So it means nothing to him, right? Like in the grand scheme of things, thirty-six million dollars is nothing. Yeah, it must not, because I mean, if he can still be tight with Sting, close enough to be photographed with him in a, a collegial way, I, I think they're okay. <laughs> Sting is is worth three hundred million, roughly. Okay. Okay. So. so um, maybe upwards of 500. It so really, Sting like was the, famous. The numbers seem to vary. Sting was at his most famous during a time where uh, musicians didn't parlay their fame into other avenues of revenue like they do now. So I know it sounds surprising, like hearing how how much less Sting is worth than Diddy. But to, you know, you got to think about Diddy, all the records he's produced, all the all the talent he's represented. Um, of okay. course, Ciroc, his, his alcohol, you know, his clothing brands, uh, I was gonna all say, that clothing stuff. lines. There are so many opportunities for branding that, yeah. you know, he has now or has had, in, especially in the past, like 20 years or so that were not necessarily a thing in the same way that, you know, in the eighties. 
Exactly. I remember back when it was a big deal for musicians to be in Calvin Klein ads. Like it was their, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it was a favor to them. Well, like, yes, please, you can be part of our ad campaign. That's fine. You know, when they could go out and make their own clothes and 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 be huge in that avenue. But they weren't thinking like that back then. I actually just listened to a podcast with Sophia Bush from One Tree Hill. Mm-hmm. She was saying that when she was on One Tree Hill in those earlier seasons, they, the network said, the budget of the show is getting higher. So you need to help us with the budget. So they (laughs) sold their images to makeup companies. Oh, wow. Like, and think like they literally, and like, I don't think Sophia was kind of implying that they like that cast did not get paid really. Um, Mm. You know, (laughs) the creator of that show and stuff was getting paid out the ass, but the cast wasn't, which is, fucking ridiculous but yeah like the idea of they literally sold their image how is that how is that possible how did they get away with that yeah yeah that's fleecing right there yeah i often wonder like how much these celebrities get paid for these ad campaigns they're part of like we've seen quinta brunson quite frequently on these olay on these oil of olay ads recently and uh you know, um, it always seems like such a huge achievement. You know, it seems like it's just being recognized by uh, pop culture in a way, uh, ending up on CoverGirl ads, uh, you know, all that stuff. I and, can't. Uh, yeah, I, was I can't paid. tell you how I know this. Oh, okay, come on. <laughs> but I can tell you um, that uh, a celebrity who was on the TV show Friends. Yes. Um, I believe baseline starts endorsements around 15 million. Well, that is incredible. (laughs) A lot of, if I remember correctly, that was the the number going in. So, all right. That's pretty good. You can't front on that. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that'll, that'll fund, uh, you know, the, uh, the sting fund for a couple of years, uh, going to Diddy. So can't sneeze at that money. No. Yeah, that's that's insane. And I wonder, okay, I also wonder, is are they writing a check every day? Is it every two weeks? Is it a yearly I, check? I hope but it, so. I mean, it, that's that really comes, funny. That's the same energy as like people who pay their parking tickets in like pennies, you know, just like, yeah. nah, man, you're getting the logistics uh, <laughs> of that are a nightmare. But you'd hilarious. have to hire a man. You'd have to hire somebody just to write that check every day. Like that's their whole job. <laughs> He's he's got to have a separate accountant just for his sting affairs. That's fucking great. I love it. Yeah. Just, hey, look, you know what? You can't even take a personal day because if sting doesn't get his check, <laughs> then I'm going to prison. He's coming back for more. He goes up to seven if we miss one check. <laughs> I like to it's think their the relationship... Contract. It's as, it's as cordial as the sheepdog and the wolf from Looney Tunes where they clock in and clock out every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sting is yeah. just on his front porch looking at his watch before midnight like, oh, he's going to miss it. Oh, he's <laughs> going to miss it. And Puffy's just running up out of breath. He's here. Here's your check. <laughs> Has like a courier bicycle. Like yes. Just rolling up like, please <laughs> take the check. He could make a whole movie just out of getting him the check. Like, I forget what movie that was that Queen Latifah was like a bike messenger. 
but you know, this sounds like that'd be the perfect vehicle to make a sequel to that. I f- there was a Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie, right? Too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Why there were was. there so many bike messenger movies? It's a mysterious. That does not have a list. wide enough audience. <laughs> there was a sitcom about like some bike delivery service at one point too. I don't think it went very far. It's like one of those one season sitcoms on on NBC. But we're getting way off the topic. Why here. is this a subgenre of <laughs> cinema? <laughs> I think the Queen Latifah movie where she was a bike messenger, like that one um, was was so controversial. Not controversial, but it it got into so many people's like uh, purview because it was obviously a stunt double, the person that was like doing <laughs> all the all the bike work right. for her. And it was like they could have got somebody closer to her in, in body type just to like do these stunts and stuff. Like it's crazy. They just went out of their way to get somebody that looked nothing like her to do all It'd be funny if it was someone who looked like me. <laughs> I think you're not that far off. <laughs> like, like, a, like, a, like a five two little white girl. <laughs> just, all right, I'm stepping in. Oh, no wonder I didn't remember what movie this was. I never saw it, but apparently it's 2004's Taxi, starring her and Jimmy Fallon. Oh my god, I think that tanked Jimmy Fallon's career. I I think that was the one that was like (laughs) the nail in the coffin for him. That in the baseball movie. Like his film career, I mean. Yeah, yeah, that in the baseball movie with uh, Drew Barrymore. Like, those didn't go in. Okay, but Fever Pitch was a good movie. Fever Pitch. (laughs) Fever Pitch was a good romantic comedy. It was fun. Okay. okay. I think if it had a Jimmy Fallon was good in it, it worked. But I think if it had a different lead, it would be like considered a classic and beloved. If it was Drew and Adam, Mm -hmm. forget it. (laughs) Drew and Adam. You can't name a better team, you know? For real. Besides Adam and Jennifer Aniston. That whole a, bit you sent me was so oh, funny about the yes. two, or maybe I sent it to you. I don't remember. No, but yeah, yeah, yeah that way. was <laughs> that you know them basically fighting about being Adam Sandler's co-star. Yes, yes. I don't know. I got to give it to Drew. I'm biased though. It's true. But, yeah, yeah, of course. It's true. All right, Even that on. movie Blended was not good, but they were great together. Yeah, I mean, you can't deny the chemistry they have. You know, it's it's funny because Adam Sandler gets so much crap for his 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 acting style and everything, but every now and then he reminds you, like he he actually used to try and he used to do a good job. You know. Um. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's in. I think his movies that he produces and makes aren't really beloved anymore, type of thing, but. His acting, I think, is very recognized. You'd be uh, surprised. Lots of people were upset he wasn't nominated for an Oscar for Uncut Gems. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's the type of movie I'm talking about. But you'd, you'd be surprised. He has that cultish following that yeah. still loves his career all the way back to, like, Billy Madison. And they will subscribe to Netflix to watch Hubie's Halloween you know, and all that sort of stuff. But I get it. Like, he's he's not pretending to be something he's not he's just he his goal with these movies he's like i'm gonna make a fuck ton of money i'm gonna go to fun places i'm gonna make movies with the people i love what's wrong with that yeah i mean when you put it like that you can't really say there is anything wrong with that he's he's living his truth (laughs) 
And if you don't like it, like, I bet there are kids who grew up watching, you know, some of those dumber movies from the early 2000s that we didn't like because we liked Billy Madison and, and you know, Happy Gilmore and everything. But, yeah. like, there are probably kids who, like, grew up with the movie Grown Ups and think it's the funniest fucking movie in the world. Right, right. Everybody's allowed to have their favorite. Except for Jack and Jill. Yeah. That was complete bullshit. <laughs> That's yeah, the only one. That one. <laughs> That's the only There's one. There's no forgiveness out. for that one. No forgiveness. All right. Let's move on to the next thing. Let's talk about this. Uh, we got a lot of trailers. Yep. Oh, God. So many trailers. <laughs> so did you see all of them? So many I, trailers. <laughs> yeah. I saw two out of three. I can give you a quick rundown of how I feel about all of them. Okay. I'm ready. Spider-Verse 2. Can't wait. Fantastic. Yes. Barbie is going to probably be my film of the year. I'm calling it now. <laughs> um, this is my cinema. I'm going to be insufferable when this movie comes out. <laughs> I'm going to be the... This is this is my godfather. Oh, wow. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. what this is going to be. Yes. Um, I could not give two shits about Blue Beetle. <laughs> I don't think it looks good. I don't think it looks good, man. I'm sorry. I I mean, it might be controversial, but. You know, you having a negative opinion about a DC movie, I I can't believe (laughs) that's coming out of your mouth at this point. My God, we are going to go ahead and have to write an apology. It's it's kind of sad to see like James Gunn being like, I can't wait to share this one with you guys. And it's it's this blue beetle trailer that looks like absolute (laughs) horse shit through gritted teeth. Some of the stuff that he has had to promote since taking over for DC, you can tell it's like, Oh, Hey guys, uh, black Adam is available now on HBO max. Can't wait. Uh, Rock is fantastic. Go ahead and tune in. You're going to love it. It's, it's DC rific, everybody. Yeah, but also I do love the fact that he'll turn around that same day and promote Guardians Three. Like, hey, but fucking guess what? Guardians <laughs> Three is coming out right. soon. And then Guardians Three, he's like, hey, this movie's about the self. This is about a journey. This is, yes. and he's like going in depth of like the type of storytelling that he is. And he's like, and then there's Blue Beetle. And then, and then there's Blue Beetle. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, so I will give my impression about two out of three, and give which you one have an you impression. not seen? I didn't see the Barbie trailer. Of course, I haven't seen That's that. That's sexist. I, I know. I'm terrible. Well, you know, I I had the language thing earlier. You have the the sexism thing now, or so we're fine. We're even. That's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. The Spider Verse <laughs> trailer. Obviously, I was very excited about that. I can't wait for this movie. I went on my my hiatus, you know, with with trailers and shit like that for for the Ant Man movie. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I stopped doing that now because these trailers are necessary. I need the hype. I live off of the hype. I need to see what's going to happen in these films. I need to watch the trailers closely and see what the differences are when I watch the actual movie. I don't care about spoilers in that regard. Well, I'm excited for Spider-Verse. And so, if you're stupid like me, you'll just forget everything, you know? <laughs> so that's my take people, on that. I love when people go see a movie and they're like, this wasn't in the tra- like this was in the trailer, but it wasn't in the movie. And I was like, bitch, I do not remember what I ate yesterday. How do you remember that? 
So there were a couple of things about that trailer that ruffled a certain group of people's feathers. I'm sure you can tell who they were by the time I finished telling you what they were. There was a Trans Lives Matter flag in Miles' room above his door, and there was a Black Lives Matter pin that he was wearing at one point during the trailer as well. Oh, you mean the black... Or, or, I shouldn't even I shouldn't even say black. You mean the half black, Latino. Yeah. half Latino um, queer character actually cares about black lives and trans people? Imagine what? that. Huh. That's insane. Boy, they sure better boycott that, I guess. <laughs> Wait till they find out he's bisexual. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be the same thing that happened. Wait till they find the out Spider-Man is bisexual. It was fun watching the public breakdown after the 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 first uh you know gay focused episode of the last of us because i was like i i mm-hmm. come here for this i came to watch zombies and then by the end oh my god ellie is gay why would they do that how could they it's been the this has been part of her character for the past decade how are you surprised right. that they put that into the show that you demanded stick to the source material? We'll never know. All right. So that's my take on that. Next up, Blue Beetle. <laughs> no, okay. that's, that's so valid. Yes. Yeah, so Blue Beetle, <laughs> Blue I'm Beetle. a little more excited than you are about this. And yes, I've been burned, obviously, several times by DC <laughs> as well. But I got to tell you, I'm excited for this movie, at least for the fact that... Um, you know the 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 who's the kid playing Blue Beetle? Oh my God, Zolo uh, Maraduena, Maraduena, Zolo Maraduena. He's uh, he's gonna be playing Blue Beetle. He's great in Cobra Kai, and the way that they're selling this movie, it's almost like it's a like a a Sentai sort of project. It's almost like a Power Rangers sort of thing. Okay, that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from it. Yeah, and so and was I, Cobra you know Kai. I can see the appeal of that. I'm. Totally. I, I'm I, I like Cobra Kai. I haven't caught up with that one in a while. I was watching it with my dad, so I moved out and like, you know, I haven't caught up with any of it. But like yeah. Um I, I get the appeal. I don't know yeah. if that's the type of story I personally care about, but I understand that. Like as but much as cast, I was joking about oh, this looks terrible. Like I get I get the appeal of this movie. The cast is charming. I can't deny the charm of the cast. It's got George Lopez. It's got Harvey Guillen, who plays Guillermo on um, What We Do in the Shadows. You know, uh, it's got Susan Sarandon, <laughs> and it's got uh, Felipe yeah, Esparza, who was a stand-up. I don't, I don't know how to describe him, but he's fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah, and it's just I, I can't deny this cast. I got to see this movie. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. The Barbie. No, the cast is fantastic. Yeah. I agree. The Barbie trailer, I didn't feel like I needed to see it because I saw almost every single slice of it online. <laughs> Fair <laughs> and, enough. You know? Okay. <laughs> That's why I didn't watch that one. Uh, Michael Sarah's in it, which is fucking hilarious. I think it's... For him to pop he's up Alan. in this... He's Alan. <laughs> he's He's that Alan guy. <laughs> Now, were you were someone you in- was joking on on Twitter about uh-huh. um like the hottest girl you know is going to 
like Alan and be most excited about Alan versus any of the Kens. And I was like, yes, that is my girlfriend. That's that is 100%. Great. So yeah. are you, were you into Barbie growing up? Were you like a, a big collector of the Barbie dolls? Were you like into that, into that scene? Um, I had some Barbie dolls for sure. Okay. I, I also had a lot of GI Joes. I was, I was a little bit of everything, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did have some. I didn't have as many as everyone else did. I wasn't as obsessed with them as everyone else was. But like, I definitely had Barbies. Yeah. Barbie was at the forefront of the boy versus girl era of toys of the 1980s. For those of yeah. you that didn't live through that like I did, there was the boy side of the toy, which was a, a dark blue and often had guns and bloody things and then there was the <laughs> girls toy aisle that was bright pink and had shit that like made bubbles in hot tubs and had range rovers you could ride around in that we didn't have access to it was like if our two nations oh, could yeah. come together in harmony we would have had some great play times together but at that time there was no end in sight it was yeah. every kid for themselves those were hard times I was, I did have like have the best of both worlds in the sense that I had an older brother who could take me to like Toys R Us yeah. by the time he got a license and, you know, could yeah. buy, you know, go with me to buy G.I. Joe's and stuff. Um, and I got lots of Star Wars action figures and stuff like that. That's what I mostly cared about, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I had, I had Barbies for sure. I don't think anyone didn't have Barbies. Even if you didn't like, there were there were kids that certainly didn't like Barbies. Um, Barbies were one of the only dolls I could handle. Like American Girl dolls scare the shit out of me. You mm. know, yeah. um, I'm oh, not yeah. a dolls person. I don't like them. We um, it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> we and I by we I mean I won a Barbie doll at the mm -hmm. uh, one of the one of the drag shows that i went to a few years ago it was like a holiday themed barbie doll how do you and win so many things i don't know man you're very lucky <laughs> and it's you know what it's never anything like super useful it's just like <laughs> interesting enough to be like yeah that speak that for makes yourself sense. yeah that barbie sounds incredibly useful to me it was really cool looking it had like a full cloth like dress gown sort of situation going on mm -hmm. and like it was made out of flannel for the holidays it was a cool looking doll and I put it in one of the uh, toys for tots bin bins nice. that year that I was yeah. collecting for. And uh, yeah, I'm sure somebody got a, a, a huge thrill out of that thing. Cause it was, it was huge. The box was huge. Yeah. The, the appeal of Barbie was always, it's so funny that I was like this way with all, like, it was the clothing, how yeah. you could change and put, do different outfits and stuff. What's funny about me is I would do that with the G.I. Joes, too. I would get, like, obsessed <laughs> with the different clothes and everything. I don't know. Well, that's the way they used to be. Like, before before we were born, the G.I. <laughs> Joe were basically the same size as the Barbie doll, and they had cloth clothes that you could remove and change. They brought those back when yeah. I was a kid, and those are what I collected. I did not collect the small G.I. Joes that, like, you guys had in the 80s. Uh, yeah, I only okay. had the Barbie-sized G.I. Joes. So my mm -hmm. Barbies... We're not with Ken. They were with G.I. Joe. <laughs> Your Barbies are wearing flight suits and shit. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we do. Okay. So, yeah. 
Barbie movie. I get the appeal. I'm interested to see where they're going with it. I'm glad it's kind of meta. I'm happy about that. Yes. You know, like it's not taking itself too seriously. And I think that's something that prevented a movie like this from being made for so long because Mattel has always been incredibly protective of that brand. And it wasn't until Toy Story showed them that they could have a little bit of fun with Barbie while still honoring the legacy of the line uh, that they started to loosen up a little bit. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I think you... I think if if the wrong I understand it though because if the wrong director gets it, oh yeah, it's mocking um, and not even funny and crass. Um, I think this movie well, and I I like it doesn't seem like it's a kids movie either, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I saw people whining about that too. Like it doesn't look like a kids movie. Like oh maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. maybe it's for you know adults that are still kids at heart. How about that? <laughs> It's also, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those movies that kids can go see and they'll like, but they'll be kind of bored and won't understand all the jokes at times, you know, Mm -hmm. but they'll love it. They'll watch it a million times. And then 10 years from now, they'll think it's the funniest movie ever because they'll get all of the jokes. Their dads are going to want to take them because Margot Robbie is in it. Their moms are going to want to take them because her name's Robbie. (laughs) Margot Robbie. (laughs) <laughs> we say it Margot Robbie. So yeah, I'm sure it'll make big money. And uh yeah, I mean, like I said last week, the theaters are you know, movies are back, man. Like all these sequels are making huge bank, and this one's got a lot of, you know, love behind it. The return of Michael Sarah. Oppenheimer and Barbie. <laughs> Oppenheimer and Barbie open on the same weekend and I'm going to see both. Cinema's back. Cinema's back, baby. Super Mario Brothers is making Mm -hmm. a lot of money already. People, like, everybody on my timeline is posting pictures of them in the theater seeing this movie with the fucking question mark block popcorn bucket. It looks like a lot. Which surprises me because I didn't realize that many people were interested in seeing it. Yeah, it seems like people are enjoying it. There's a there's a lot of critics who are down on it because they're like, oh, it's just paint by numbers. And it's like, yeah, it's faithful to the game because last time they tried to get crazy with it, you saw what we got. We got Bob yeah. Hoskins and Zalik. I mean, Zalik. I think it looks beautiful animation-wise. So yeah. who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So on to more. Lex, do you remember that Nick Cannon game show that we were talking about uh, a few weeks ago where him and Kevin Hart were going to be hosting trying to find his next baby mama? Well, apparently that boy's a liar. Nick Cannon's Who's Having My Baby show is fake. It was all a prank. To advertise (laughs) Nick Cannon and Kevin Hart's new prank show where they go and now this is unique. They go and prank celebrities together. Like punked? I don't I don't know what that is. That's what? Punked? I don't know what that is. <laughs> this is a completely Pranking unique idea. celebrities? What? This is a completely yeah. unique idea from Heartbeat Entertainment and Cannonball Cinema. I don't know the name of their production companies. Cannonball. His company is called Cannonball Cinema. <laughs> Even though it's a TV show. When is an asteroid going to hit us, Matt? When's it going to happen? So, yeah, this is this is really going down. Um, 
it's going to be part of the Fox lineup, I imagine. So stand by for that. I'm not giving this any more time than it deserves. And we are at an end. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what else? Oh, speaking of James Gunn, we talked about James Gunn a little bit earlier. Um, this is going to fuel at least, I want to say, 20 articles on comicbook.com, CBR. We got this covered. Who am I missing here? Maybe Polygon. James Gunn is talking about a potential Marvel and DC movie crossover. And the quote Why? is, I'd be lying to say we haven't discussed it. This comes from EmpireOnline.com. What? So I think this sort of thing, this sort of conversation was bound to happen just because he's had work produced at both studios at this point. And the next logical question is, oh, we've got a multiverse. What about if we do a crossover of these universes? And he's doing his best to push back on this and say, look, I haven't even, you know, done my first movie under this new deal. And I was going to say, make your universe before you, <laughs> you do that. Right. He goes, uh, I'm certain it's more likely now that I'm in charge at DC. He says, who knows? And then he goes on to say, it's many years away. I think we have to establish that we're what we're doing at DC first. I would be lying to say we haven't discussed it. That's the snippet they took for the clickbait. But all discussions have been very, very light and fun. No one's going to hear any of the other shit that I said in there. They're only going to hear, oh, sure. well, DC versus Marvel, baby. Yeah, let's go. No, no, please. Not yet. Not yet. Don't do it yet. This is the mistake that they made with the Snyderverse. Well, one of many mistakes, which was rushing everything out the door because they were excited. Just let it play out the way it should. Introduce these characters first. Make us care about them. This is then... this is why I don't care about cinematic universes anymore. Because <clears throat> at this point, I just want a good movie. Give me a good Superman movie. That's all I want. I've gotten a good Batman movie. I've gotten several good Batman movies. That's about it. Do you know how many... The first Wonder Woman was good. Do you know how many girlfriends... And boyfriends have had to lean over to their significant other and explain to them why Spider-Man's not going to show up in the Justice League movie or, you know, why Wolverine's not going to pop in and help Superman out at a certain point in time. Yeah. This is just going to confuse matters all over again. We don't need this. Let's just keep everything the way it is. It's too much. It's too it's much. Too much. Too much of a good thing ain't a good thing anymore. Marvel focus on the X-Men. <laughs> DC focus on literally anything else. Everything else. Just just let's see how many good movies you can make in a row. <laughs> let's 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 try to set yeah. that record. Hmm? Yes. Come on. Let's start with one and and go from there. Yes. My money. My fingers are crossed for Blue Beetle. That's what my that's what I'm riding on. Not Aquaman too. Yeah. No, that that doesn't count. No, no. But I do like the fact that we also um we also saw news today that the filming has officially wrapped on uh, Joker two. Um, and that I was think all, that's going to be fun. That that should be a good movie, and it's all up into it's all up to the editing and stuff now. What they end up doing with it, I hope they don't sit on it for too long. But this is going to officially be the first movie under their Elseworlds uh, flagship, uh, yeah. and you know. Uh, idea so if that does well we could be seeing alternate versions of all these different characters 
and they don't have to necessarily play by the rules that Marvel is playing by, which is great. It's great for them because that means that the expectations are lowered to have one cohesive universe and you just make good movies. Yeah. What what a concept. What a concept. Just make good movies with just all make- of your money and resources. Well, your friend Zachary Levi is talking again. I, I don't, I do not claim him. Don't say that he's my friend. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> my favorite thing about this article from the direct.com is the headline mm-hmm. because it says Zachary Levi breaks silence. We're going to stop right there. We're going to pause right there. <laughs> Zachary Levi breaks silence. The man doesn't stop talking. Yeah, he really needs to, he really needs to, you know, go back to being silent. If there's a convention, he's going to be there. It's like that old adage you hear about Christianity. When one, when two or three are gathered in my name, I shall be among them. When two or three nerds (laughs) are gathered at a convention, Zachary Levi will be among them hosting a panel. So here we are. He was at C2E2 this past weekend and he let slip, almost bragged, that he was almost Lex Luthor on Smallville. That's right. He almost beat out our guy, Michael Rosenbaum, to play Lex Luthor on Smallville. Thank God that didn't happen. So you're saying you couldn't have seen him in that role? No. (laughs) Rosenbaum is perfect in that role. They really struck gold with him. Absolutely. Like, to me, he he was the, in my opinion, all right, he was the driving force of that show for those first few seasons. Yeah. I wanted to I think to a lot see. of people would agree. Their relationship is the most important relationship on that show. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm glad we had Lana there. That was cool. Um, you know, all that other stuff going on in the background. Great fights, superpowers, blah, blah, blah. Why are Clark Kent and Lex Luthor friends? How are they going to maintain this friendship? What happens that destroys the friendship forever? Yeah. How come Clark always walks into that same room in the mansion every episode? We never got an answer to that. It was a good set. That's why. It was a great set. set. They were like, we're showing this part of the house off. And that is it. (laughs) That's where Lex was always working. That's why too. Because Clark would show up in the middle of the the work day. Yeah. Yeah. He was always always pouring himself a drink or something. And Clark just walks in. Hey, Lex, what's going on with this? Huh? Huh? What are you doing over there, man? You got questions to answer. He's like, "Whoa, hey man, calm down, back off." If you come to accuse me, Clark, that you know, like, and then he would go into a diatribe about you know, flying too close to the sun. Do you know the fable of you know? Yeah, like, yeah. (laughs) Clark always wearing that weird red jacket and blue T-shirt combo. Mm -hmm. Or think Lex would buy him a new red T-shirt and a blue jacket. Oh yes, yes, there was also that killer combo anyway uh zachary levi goes on to say he goes uh when it came to smallville i originally auditioned for superman didn't get it wasn't meant to be wasn't meant to be but at the audition for superman they go hey listen you did a great job but we actually think you're more lex luthor would you mind taking a look at these sides and i was like okay and i took a look at these things and i came back and i read for lex and they were like yeah that's great We're going to have you read for producers. And I read for producers and they were like, oh my God, yeah, we're going to be sending you to the studio test. 
and I studio tested. And then I went all the way to the network and David Nutter, who directed the pilot, I had work sessions with him. I was like, I'm going to be Lex Luthor. I was convinced I was going to be cast as Lex Luthor, move to Vancouver and shave my head. It was all happening. And then it didn't. I went all the way to the network and they were like, nah, not really our guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was one of, one of the guys in the final running. Oh, did, did you hear about anybody else in the final running? No, I don't okay. think so. But I'm sure I there just were thought a few. maybe it was like, I mean, because you're, you're the Smallville expert on the show. I thought maybe there was like a common knowledge of like some, like people who could have played different roles on the show or something of that nature. I mean, here's the thing. You're yes. going to get a lot of actors whose names are thrown around for things like that because there were people who were of that age bracket who were auditioning for every CW show. Mm -hmm. So if you hear a story, and I don't know if I'm not saying this is a thing, but if you hear like Jensen Ackles was going out for Clark Kent Mm -hmm. or something like that, it's like, yeah, no shit. He was going (laughs) out for every single male lead because that's what his agents were doing at that time because it was smart. That's what you do. That's how you get a role. That's true. That's true. And eventually he got one. So congratulations. Um, Of course, Levi went on to do Chuck to some success, a very passionate uh, Um, fan base. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just uh, Googled um, actors who were potentially going to play Lex Luthor. And the headline is the Smallville co-creator recalls Zachary Levi's disastrous Lex Luthor audition. (laughs) <laughs> says that he bombed oh no so he's delusional oh no poor guy yes that is really fucking funny honestly man he got he's mm, i feel bad for him i do he 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 <laughs> bet on himself and it's just not it's not going well for zachary levi right now yeah no no anywho Last but not yeah, least. it does say that it still says that initially they were going to go with Zach, Zachary Levi. They said that was their initial choice, but he said his audition was kind of a disaster. So mm-hmm. they kept looking and then they got Rosenbaum. That's I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad How, OK, I, now I don't buy that Zachary Levi got that far in the process. Right. Unless they I were really just like going, you guys got to see how bad this guy is. We're going to send him up to the next round, but you got to see him. Trust me. Like, unless they were doing something shady like that. I don't know. I don't think so. I think they would I just tape know. him and then show other people the tape. Well, I guess we'll never know. We all shit. So, finally, Donald Glover's been talking a lot. You know, yeah. he's um, got an interview with GQ. And uh, it was a a conversation that he had with the interviewer talking about the various jobs he's had throughout the years. So, of course, Mm -hmm. depending on what you are a fan of in his long in his long, uh, illustrious career, which actually is fairly short. He's just been very successful for somebody his age. It's amazing, you know, and and Mm -hmm. rightfully deserved. Um, We've been hearing different things. Um, (laughs) He he apparently had a speech where he was giving a, a, an award at a ceremony and he joked about uh, Lena Dunham frivolously using the N-word uh, in his presence. Yeah. And no one can tell if that was a joke or not. Um, 
He also mentioned for you community fans that he is involved in the movie after all in a, in a pretty substantial way. Yes. Uh, but he has not seen a script yet. Uh, and he said, that's, that's just classic Dan. He goes, you know, usually. Yeah. He's he, like, <laughs> no one has seen a script. Right. Right. And you won't see it until you get on the set and it might just mm-hmm. be Dan kind of being last minute, or it might just be him being private about the details of the story. We don't know. So, I mean, he didn't see. I think it's, mm-hmm. it sounds like it's a last minute thing from what, cause I actually saw that clip of the interview where he was like, yeah, like that's just how he works. So I think yeah. he's just one of those people that probably tweaks up until the, you know, the very end. <laughs> it's so funny. He's been trying to write the script for years and years. And mm-hmm. he finally got an idea that he really liked, which is great because, you know, he's still working on a lot of different projects at the same time. Um, but I remember one time he tried to peer pressure himself into finishing the script into even starting the script uh, during an episode of his, his podcast, Harmontown. And it was a disaster. <laughs> like nothing <Yeah>. got done. <laughs> but you're right. Um, I saw that snippet of the interview too, and it's uh, with Donald Glover, and it's great because you get to actually see his expression and his mannerisms during uh, the conversation he's having. So you can't misinterpret. There's less of a chance of misinterpretation of mm-hmm. what he's saying, and oh, you got to read between the lines here. Obviously, he's pissed off at Dan Harmon. No, it was nothing like that. It was cordial. It was. It seemed to be understanding from one creator to another. Like this is just mm-hmm. his method. So I'm with you on that. Um. But he also mentioned during this interview that uh, at one point, Tina Fey expressed to him that during his time on 30 Rock, he was a diversity hire. And it gave him extreme, uh, you know, just uh, not, a, not a good feeling. <laughs> anxiety. No. It gave and, him extreme and I anxiety. Hope, I hope that that's not. I mean, in her in her book, she talked about how she specifically wanted Donald to be in the writer's room because mm-hmm. he wasn't like the Harvard guy, like so yeah. many of the writers, because he was, you know, different, but she didn't specify, like, she wasn't saying, like, you know, race wise. It was just like he came from a different perspective and he wrote most of the Kenneth jokes that were amazing. And she even said that in that, like, he understood, <laughs> you know, different characters in ways that you know uh she also specifically talked about like how lorne had taught her to hire writers which is like you hire different types of people who can offer different types of humor so yeah you hired the guy who you know wrote jokes for the lampoon and also the guy who's you know doing stand-up and you know just out there grinding mm-hmm um, but if that, you know, the the strange part to me with that would be like he did like when he like Tina was on some of his childish Gambino stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he's he's worked with her, and you know, I don't know if that's just like him processing trauma later, um, and then kind of going, "Hey, that wasn't cool," which is totally valid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I, I can't, it's hard for me to be impartial or like, like, you know, approach that in a, in a non-biased way. You're right. You're right. And it's the same for me because I'm, I'm a fan of both of their work and, yeah, absolutely. you know, in, in my heart, I want all my favorites to get along and yeah. work well together, you know, 
And I will say this in, in his statement, it didn't come off as he was saying something uh, necessarily malicious about Tina Fey. Yeah. It made it seem like, you know, they wanted to get some diverse voices in the room and they needed someone who represented right. the black voice. And he goes on in the interview to say, uh, you know, the last two people up for the job were him and Kenya Barris, mm-hmm. the creator of Blackish. Um, and he said uh, he didn't know that that was the case until years later. And uh, Kenya Barris even told him one time when they were speaking to one another, he's like, I hated you for years because he mm-hmm. knew that Donald Glover had beat him out for that, uh, that spot. Damn. So, you know, things could have went a lot differently, but I mean, Tina bet on Donald and it seems to have paid off, obviously. So and by differently, we mean that um, 30 Rock wouldn't be as funny, right? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> There's a specific type of Kenya Bears humor. Yeah. <laughs> that I may not be a fan of. I'll say that. Some um, of it's good. Some of it's good. Some of it is Some weird. of it's a little lamb, ham-fisted. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah. So... We'll just we'll just leave it at that. But I'm glad that you know in this interview the the connecting um, tissue is basically that Donald Glover has taken everything that he's experienced in his career and used it to build on the last thing to the next thing, and it's an admirable way of um, just going through that journey. Uh, like you said, he probably processed a lot of this stuff later on down the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had his struggles too. And, you know, uh, he's had some missteps as well, but it seems like he's genuinely trying to learn from the last thing he did and make it even better for the next, for the next thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> last thing, he also said that he does want to play Lando again, and he's actively working towards making that happen. That's cool. I, I think that will be really like, that would be good for a, a series or mini series or something along those lines. Yeah, it'll be well received. I mean, especially the state of Star Wars as it is now. Um, I know you haven't watched Mandalorian this season yet, so I won't spoil too much for you. But it's it's been some of the best stuff I've seen come out of the, you know, the newer Star Wars stuff in a long time. I mean, it's it's That's actually great. Packed, yeah, I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, they, people weren't ready for Solo. I don't know why. I, I, I'm sure we could dig into it, but we don't have the time to right now. But when I, that movie came out, people were just already against it before even seeing minute one. And it was just weird to me. I think it's just the Harrison Ford factor. Yeah. Um, they don't want anyone else playing Han other than Harrison Ford. But Harrison Ford doesn't care. No, he cares about Indiana Jones. That's his character. That's the one that he would be upset about. And if they were to recast that, you should be upset too, kind of thing, because but, that's not what they want. Yeah. Even with that, though, they let other people play Indiana Jones. Well, yeah. there was young Indiana River Jones. Phoenix played Indiana Jones, but and that there was, was different. Old Indiana Jones on that same show. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought you meant in the movies. I mean no. he. He doesn't want to, you know, anyone else playing actual cinematic indie. I would love Harrison Ford to be so like anal retentive about Indiana Jones that he's like, even in the video games, I'm voicing him. No one else can voice indie except <laughs> that for would me. Be funny. 
the comics, I get final say. You have to run every. I really think he me. just ignores any other form of media, um, and just focuses on the movies. That's it. <laughs> He's like the movies are the only thing that count, and I'm the one in the movies. Yeah, <laughs> those are the specific rules for for Indiana Jones. Which I mean, let's be real, it's kind of true. Yeah, yeah. Of Some like characters. the ones that have this like the long lasting impact. Mm-hmm. It's it's just the movies, really. Yeah, I I feel though, you know, given his age, and I mean, even with the Marvel stuff too. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for fans to start openly understanding that their favorites are going to be recast. If you want these stories to continue, we're going to have to be, we're going to have to take a page out of the James Bond fandom handbook, the Doctor Who fans too. We're going to have to understand that recasting is going to have to happen for these stories to keep going. That's just it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think it's fine. Um, I do think that they should just try to write new stories and make new new characters, but yeah, some yeah. some are going to be recast, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the middle ground is going to be. I don't know what it's going to take. You know, it, even with Doctor Who, even even with that, they're getting a little funny with that because as much as I love David Tennant, and as much as I'm glad that he's going to get a chance to to be the Doctor once again it bothers me that he's coming back right before you know the big anniversary the reboot and everything like that mm-hmm. it's yeah it's almost like disney was like yeah we'll 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 pay for some of these doctor who episodes but we're going to need david tennant along for the ride that's just right it. yeah um yeah i agree My dad texted me about something. Um, but yeah, I do. I do think that there are, <laughs> there is a little bit of a fan service potential issue with David Tennant coming back. Yeah. Um, I still think it's great though. Like it's fine. And what they're ultimately going to be doing is ushering in um, a, a new doctor that. Right. And I think Kutsi he's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And Kutti Gatwa is going to be the next one. And he seems just as confused as everybody else in the previews at least like mm-hmm. i'm excited to see how it plays out i just i really hope this guy gets a fair shake i really hope that the fandom has matured enough since i've stepped away i, <laughs> I think the really smart face. part was bringing back um the writer oh god what's his name i can't russell t davies yeah i think that was very smart because that will bring back a lot of fans and that will make people a little more open to it that's true. Well, we'll have to see. Either way, I'm watching and I'm supporting because I, I want back? this to succeed. Uh, we don't know yet specifically. Okay. You know, they're very cryptic about that. Yeah, it'll just start happening and then we're like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> it'll be like next week, Doctor Who's dropping yeah. on Disney Plus. What, what, what? For real, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Oh, November. Three episodes. Duh. Okay, oh, there okay. it is. Cool. 39 minutes ago, according to U.S. Weekly. <laughs> U.S. Weekly. Breaking Us news. Weekly says. <laughs> U.S. Weekly. I US didn't even weekly. notice that. Salute. Oh, that's so funny. 
it's so funny because literally this article was just published 30 minutes ago. <laughs> so you heard it here maybe first, folks. November, we're getting three episodes. <laughs> nice. And there you have it. All right. Well, that was fun. Say, folks, do you want yeah. to be part of a cool Discord server and hang out? and get all kind of perks and bonuses just for being a fan of the show, would you like to continue to support the show as we go down this journey together, this excellent adventure, if you will? Would you like to give us money because we're fucking cute? Well, I tell you what you can go, what yeah. you can do. You can go to patreon.com slash Lex and Matt. You can type in whatever number you want between one and a million, and we will take that money, and we will do podcast-related things with it until you give us too much money. <laughs> And then we're going to go on vacation. But before yeah, that, we're yeah. going to do podcast things. So by all means, thank you, those who contribute. Thank you, you wonderful adventurers, for funding our habit of having these nonsensical conversations once a week. And we ask you to encourage your friends, neighbors, your minister, your, your community service representative, maybe even new Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson, to open his pocketbook. <laughs> and give, give that money to the show. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Yes. Um, also, congratulations, Brandon. I think I, I think we Mayor could Lex. also. <laughs> I think we can also agree that if he just wants to focus on just being a good representative in the city of Chicago, that's fine too. Yeah, that's needed. He's off um, the hook. If he wants to be part of the Discord, we will let Brandon Johnson <laughs> join the Discord. Yes, and everybody else. Absolutely. At least a dollar. That's that's the entry fee. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Contribute. Come on. Yeah. Just do it. Please. <laughs> they were gonna do it. I like last you see me just going, please. <laughs> no. That I'm not I'm please. not gonna I'm not gonna actually say please. Just I've told you this before, steal someone's credit card. There you go. They don't need to know. They're not going to notice. Mm -hmm. They're going to think it's like an Apple um, iCloud charge every month. The the two ninety nine. Do you even fucking notice that? Do you notice that? You know. Yes. They won't know. <laughs> yeah, I notice it too. They won't Shut notice, up. but I notice. I always check. Sometimes I get that. No, I like, always check fuck? too. I check. I check it like I check like a ridiculous amount of times i'm so paranoid but most people aren't that way most people aren't going to pay attention and those are the ones you need to take advantage of so learn to find them and um be gay do crimes do it i support that yes you shouldn't that's not something you should support but oh you know. okay well i i don't know what to say at this point i'm going to end the show thank you folks for listening <laughs> as always i'm matt peters and I'm Lex Lutz. Say the best. Be excellent to each other. That's, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Be excellent to each other, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>